This is Dan, and you're listening to the Holy District Podcast. All right, so today um, I have Brooke, Erica, Blake, and um, we're excited because Alexi is making his debut. (laughs) This whole series, we've been talking about the future church and where we're going. We've been revisiting the um, history of the church and kind of just doing these like overarching themes following the church from when it first started in Acts in Jerusalem all the way forward um, as it landed here in America. And so we've been tracking um, Western Christianity through Europe into the U.S. and how it's changed um, within the U.S. I understand, again, uh, there are so many different streams of Christianity. There's so uh, much history there. There's a lot that we missed along the way. Um, and that's okay. Like if you, you know, feel strongly as you're listening to this, that there's something we missed that would have been helpful, message us. Uh, we want, we love to interact. We'd love to have these conversations. And so, um, help us know like, oh, this would have been a good thought, you know, about it. So, uh, the future church, uh, we, I really start this point in our era, um, with the pandemic because that's just an easy, Um, time that seems like a good marker for all of us of like everything was going and I think like things were beginning to shift in our um, American culture but the pandemic is that defining moment where like things really shifted and it created a clear delineation between the old and then what is new or what is developing a couple of things that we like learn place we've been talking about place practice and then pros and cons Um, and so Uh, The reason I choose the pandemic is because there was that one weekend in March. Um, I think everybody remembers it. When I just say that one weekend, um, most churches went online. There were a few that still met for one more weekend and then went online. Um, But like in March, everyone moved online at some point. They were live streaming on their phone or whatever. And um, we were all doing church online. So the place shifted away from a building back into a home um, or wherever you were. And then, um, you know, what was interesting was when we reopened, um, at least for uh, some of the churches and then the church experience that Brooke and I were in, um, when we reopened, only a small percentage of people came back. Mm. Like 100% of the people that were attending and engaging before didn't show back up. Um, and so I think part of that is like shows the most engaged or the people that were most connected to that community were the ones that showed up, um, and re-engaged when it all, um, opened. And so a couple questions would be like, Hey, where did all the people go? Mm-hmm. You know, um, which we can get to. Um, and so, uh, I think what we're finding is, uh, these people, uh, aren't coming back to the places like the specific buildings. Um, they've moved into their community. They're out amongst um, wherever on Sunday mornings. And so um, that's changed. Uh, but I think also we realized because church went online, you can find whatever resources you need or want on the internet. Yeah. And I think that was happening, like you said earlier. I think that was happening before, even as we were shifting into like a more, uh, as the multi site model became more popular and churches began using technology and the internet in order to. Uh, broadcast their sermons, I think there were a certain group of people who started to realize, oh, 
Um, if the most important thing is the message, I can get that from somewhere else. Churches tapped into that and said, okay, let's have online church yep. even before it became a necessity. Yep. And then there became this thing of like, oh, well, the, like there's this really awesome person that I love their personality. I love how they preach. They're in another state. Yep. I would rather listen to them. Yep. And so what maybe people listen to like televangelists in the earlier part of this era, <clears throat> then there became this, you could follow a person yeah. online. Yep. And then the pandemic made this, that this was the only way that you could engage at least the sermon component was yep. via online. Yep. And I think that for the people who hadn't already gotten there, many people went sped there. up that process. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, exactly like it, that's what's interesting is I no longer, and this was true for the few years before, I didn't have to be in the city of the church I wanted to attend was in. You know, um, if it's at just least to get the message. Uh, yes. Yes. And that's the point that we're trying to drive. If it's just about the message, mm-hmm. then you don't actually need to show up mm-hmm. into the building. Well, I think so. it's important to note, too, like, uh, you know, especially over the last few years, like podcasts have been on the rise. I mean, look what we're doing. Like we're podcasting, right? Yep. Like podcasts and YouTube. And um, there's lots of different platforms to receive a message of sorts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, so that's kind of the place um, of the like what has been developing in the future church. And so um, let's just start there um, before we move into practice and just kind of turn this over and ask like, all right, as you begin to nail down where you think the future church is going, um, what kind of places it, do you see it um, meeting in? Um, how do you like see those maybe buildings, not buildings? Like what do you what do you think? Um, start putting some flesh on these ideas for people. Brooke, why don't you go first? Um, I would say, you know, I, I foresee the, the local church going and meeting in homes a lot of the time or in public spaces. I mean, this is something we've been dreaming about, honestly, with the Holy District, right? Like in, in Gilbert, Arizona, like what could it look like to, to meet in a public space, um, and, you know, coffee shops or, you know, breweries or wineries or local parks, like you name it, right? Like, I think um, there's an option to gather wherever and and form community in these spaces other than like a big, huge building. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, So it's almost like we just, the church... Um, in a really cheesy way of saying it, has left the building and is now out in the community. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm the not church trying. has left the building. <laughs> um, but, like, we move into these public spaces. So, Erica or Blake, like, where do you guys think, how do you see the future church with the place? Oh, going? I want you to go first. I've been thinking about this for, like, the last three or four years. Yeah. Um, even pre-pandemic. But, yeah, I would love to hear Blake's, Blake's thoughts. Yeah, I think... It's a complex question, right? Nobody has a, a magic mirror or, or a magic gate ball to look and see what the future is. Or Crystal whatever. ball. That's it. Crystal, Crystal magic ball. gate ball. <laughs> I don't know. Those things. I'm just like Toy Story. Shake it and what's the... Um, the triangle pops up. Uh, Does Jimmy love me? Yeah. Ask later. Yeah. Um, Ask <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, I think it's a complex question. I don't think it's like one model is just going to be completely abandoned or anything like that, but I do think it is kind of this idea of, like, um, kind of getting back to a little bit of we've seen the importance of meeting outside of those large gatherings because we haven't been able to with COVID. Um, And, you know, my mind kind of goes to, like, being in the hub, you know, like maybe meeting in the hub of what's happening within your context. Like, 
if we're going to be actually um, living out the good news, that's going to mean, like Brooke was saying, public places where people are talking about what's happening in their lives, you know, the um, realms of what is structuring our city and what's going on culturally. So, you know, I think of like coffee shops, pubs, those kinds of things. But also, yeah, I think it's just like we got to be paying attention to the spirit and what the spirit is doing. Like, I don't think there's just one set answer, mm-hmm. you know, and I, th- I think obviously we need to be clear. Like, we're not sitting in a room trying to figure out, like, what's the magic thing to do? It's like, right. what's what's the spirit leading us in our context? Yeah. So I kind of am hearing some themes begin to rise up um, amongst us and just kind of where we think the place of the future church is. But Erica, before um, I, you know, kind of uh, start elaborating more on that, like, why don't you jump in and share about the place uh, for the future church? Yeah, I'm really curious about this question because I, I, in my last ministry role, oversaw our life group, like small group ministry. And, um, you know, the whole thrust of small group ministry was to try... Yeah. Oh, you want to come hang out with me, buddy? Okay, come sit with mom. So the whole thrust of the small group ministry was to try to start building out a structure that would support people to help them see church beyond the Sunday morning message and like engage their faith in their in their everyday life. And our our small group ministry met in homes. And I can tell you that was a huge obstacle to help people who didn't already get and buy into the small group model to show up to a stranger's house or to go meet in a stranger's house. So I spent a lot of time contemplating the fact that American culture is not as, um, for in my experience, was not as open to like house church or home church as the early church was. Yeah. And what I came to think about that was the culture of hospitality in like Middle Eastern and, you know, that yep. area of the world, yeah. I think is so strong yeah. that having people into your homes and having, you know, that is a very common practice and has been ingrained for centuries and centuries. But in America, we kind of have this, my house is my sanctuary and yep. I'm very picky about who gets to be in my house and to whose house I'll go and all those things. And so I'm wondering if there's like a really... Uh, you know, what needs to happen for us to, for the church to leave the building? Is it more of an emphasis on public places where, where people feel more um, uninhibited or something like that, where they're, and they feel safer engaging than um, they would feel like showing up to someone who they've just met or is relatively new to their home to talk about Jesus. There are so many times like, we've been a part of two church plants now, and whenever we do things in homes, people always are afraid it's a cult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just, like, coming from... That's not what you're establishing here? No. Oh, right. okay. I mean... What was the juice I had to have coming in? Okay. Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm we kidding. don't talk about that. <laughs> so I'm interested to see. I wonder if this is going to help shift, like, that part of our culture. Like, if we're supposed to become... So winsome and such good neighbors that we help people overcome that fear and we practice a culture of hospitality within the body of Christ so that that can maybe heal some parts of our American culture that might not be so good for us and that the pandemic would spur that on. Or do we need to get creative and create these third spaces that help people engage and feel comfortable socially? I don't know. So those are just some musings that I've been wondering about. Okay, so I'm going to, like, push on that a little bit more. 
Um, like, do you think that those, like, go there and start putting a foot down somewhere? Like, which do you think, even if it's only like, I'm 26% sure and I'm 25% sure of this mm -hmm. one, which one do you think is more likely where we are headed? Um, I think culture takes a long time to shift. Yes. And so, like, for what Blake and I have been doing in, in Allentown is trying to do a little bit of both. Like, in our personal life, as we're building relationships with people, we want our home to be a place that is offered to God so that, yeah, we do have people over for meals and we are connecting. But we have we have not chosen to hold any kind of gatherings in our home because of my experience. So I'm by this is a bias that okay. I have. Yeah. Um, at the same time, we are, you know, we've been really paying attention to where are the spaces where it seems like things want to happen. And this is how the, you know, space that we're actually podcasting in right now came about. And we've started trying out and experimenting with some different kind of gatherings here. Yeah. And yeah. what we found is people are really open to come to this place. They don't really know what it is. It's kind of a weird random building. It used to be a law office and now we're transforming its identity into a community hub. And so it, we're, we're doing a little bit of both. And I think for at least for the foreseeable future, people are going to feel more comfortable in a place where they can come and go and, um, it and they don't feel like they have to be a certain way, like a third space, like a like a coffee shop or yep. a pub or or a community center or something like that. But as you build relationships, breaking that barrier and inviting people into your home, I think is an essential part of discipleship. So mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be the cop out both <laughs> and, but I really think it's a both and. Right. Well, I think what I hear you describing is it starts in these public spaces and then can be and then like as people get more comfortable with you, it moves into that private at home. And I, I think more that's how spice. maybe it kind of happened even in the early church. You oh, know? absolutely. They started preaching out like at the temple or at the synagogues. And as people became interested in this, then they would be invited into these more intimate spaces. Absolutely. But that wasn't where we tried to, you know, where they tried to bring people immediately. It was like, oh, is this message resonating with you? Well, here's how we're living it out. Do you want to come and join us in that? Do you want to come ha have a meal with yep. us? And once people made a decision to be baptized, then they were welcome welcomed into this yep. worship gathering where they took the meal, like communion yep. together and yep. things like that. Yeah, that's absolutely, I mean, that makes sense. And that's kind of like what Paul was doing. He would meet people in the marketplace, like you were just describing, or I think that's even how he met Lydia um, in Philippi. Was I think they, so. She was by the river washing. Mm. And then, like, they talked about Jesus and it moved into her home. And then a church in Philippi starts up in her home. Right. Because um, she was this, like, awesome businesswoman who had yeah. all these connections already in the community. So when she gets on board and, like, comes into the kingdom, she has this network that she immediately can activate and she can welcome people into her huge home yes it probably had a courtyard and was like really great for hosting people and yep. it, it was yeah these these kinds of situations i think are what we're to blake's point we're trying to pay attention to what is going to make sense in this community and who are the people that the spirit is welcoming in um, and giving this vision for for the kingdom spreading yeah yeah, so those are the themes. I mean, I think you perfectly kind of were summarizing while you were talking the themes that I keep hearing come up amongst mm -hmm. the four of us is um, it's it's public spaces that move into um, private areas too. Um, and so that we feel comfortable along the way, but it's also like, you know, I love the vision of the Holy District um, or the mission 
that we say over and over, like we're helping people rediscover sacred in everyday spaces. Um, And so I think that's just cool, like for people to walk their neighborhoods um, and begin to see that place as sacred Mm -hmm. and holy. um, And then to go to their like where the restaurants they're in. Um, and see that as holy and sacred. Mm-hmm. Um, the message of that in the Holy District seems to be that wherever a Jesus follower goes is holy. Mm-hmm. Wherever Jesus follower goes is sacred because the Spirit is going to. Or and all, maybe another way of saying it, or like another way to back into it is, God is all already everywhere. Yes, mm-hmm. the presence of God fills all. Um, the the entire cosmos, like in, yep. and so in in Christ, God is reconciling all things. And so anywhere I show up, because I already follow Jesus, I expect God to be there. Yes. yes. And because of that, then I you know I have the ability to see with different kinds of eyes, perhaps even the most desecrated places. Jesus is already here. Yep. Jesus is already here, and these these people who are here were made in the image of Christ. Yep. And made in the image of God. And therefore, God loves them and is with them. And so I can engage this place. This is already God's place. Yep. Uh, even if it doesn't look like it yep. yet. No, that's so good. So that leads us um, easily into our next section where we want to talk about practice. So mm-hmm. we're going to jump forward into that. All right, um, so we are going to move on, and we're talking about practice now. So a couple of trends that I have watched develop in our culture um, that I want to bring up, and then we'll dive into the practice portion, is um, so in Christian culture, there's been this emphasis on deconstruction. Mm -hmm. um, And so kind of looking at pieces of the faith and deciding to remove things um, and like pulling things out, examining it, and then either deciding to put it back in or throw it away. Mm. Um, we could go all day talking about if that's good or not and whether or not it seems like people throw more things away than they should. But like, that's, it, that's a, uh, habit that is happening in our, um, age group and in our faith. Oh, um, it's a definite, yeah. like, that's a trending, it's a hot topic. It's a keyword. Deconstruction yep. is, yeah. Yep. Big time. But I think like, what's interesting about it is I think we're always doing that. We just now have a word for it. Mm. Um, Like, I would hope that as we're all growing up, we're examining our views and our beliefs and deciding, like, does this fit with the Jesus that I'm following now? Mm. And if it doesn't, we let it go. You know, I don't think any of us are called to end life with the same views that we started with. Mm. Um, That's not called maturity. And so uh, that's just an interesting trend I've watched developed within Christian culture. But I think that comes also... um, from in our wider American culture um, and probably wider Western culture, there has been a decentralization Mm. of um, views. And by that, I mean like there's a distrust in institutions, um, in any centralized power. Um, You see this pop up where people say like, uh, like it's my choice or you can't tell me and it's my freedoms and it's our, like our individuality is being pushed to the extreme and we are our own governance. Mm. Um, And so in that, then any outside authority or any outside being that calls us into 
um, some kind of obedience or submission is seen as um, needing to be distrusted or pushed back against. Um, do you think that's a fair assessment of like what is happening in our wider Western culture? You know, there's parts of what you're saying that are really resonating. And then there's a part of me that's like, hmm, I wonder how much of this is what, what you're describing is generational. Like when hmm. you were talking about deconstruction, I think that that is something that is a fairly, the way you were describing it may not, may come from like our generation and younger because of the context that we grew up in and our experience of church it's different than, say, like, how my grandma might talk about church and how she might think about her faith. And I, uh, if you have been giving a, given a set of beliefs that really make sense in your world and help you to be connected to God, and maybe in your, and you work, you know, and you're busy and, or you're used to a certain way of life and all of that feels very consistent a lot of people don't really feel a need to deconstruct because right. it all makes sense. Right. I think for for us, or I'll speak for myself, growing up in a world, my worldview got challenged very quickly, mm-hmm. and it it didn't hold up to what I was experiencing in reality. So I had to start becoming more critical and analytical and thinking about what actually makes sense, and is that really what the Bible says, and yeah. is that what I believe and I don't think everyone gets confronted in the same way. Right. Um, and so I think you can have someone who has a very mature faith in that it produces the fruit of the Spirit, but they haven't gone through this kind of like ex- existential crisis that so many people, I think, in um, like millennials and perhaps Gen Zs are experiencing when it comes to faith. Uh, maybe I'm talking about something different than what you're talking about, but that's something that came to my mind. No, yeah, and thank you for sharing that like that makes sense and I appreciate you sharing that so I do think that your analysis of the hyper individualism yeah. is on point and I think it's a very like ideological moment that we're in where people are very concerned about um you know ideas and who has the right ideas and there's a lot of fear around the way that the world is going the way our country is going and um Information, whether it's tr- misinformation or good information, we all have access to it, and we all spread f- bad information as yes. um, uh, as much as other people and other groups of how we're kind of splitting ourselves up. So that's a huge, huge challenge. Yeah, no, that's yeah, and I think so. The call of the church in that, um, as we roll into the future, when you're facing a hyperly individualized society, um, then the call of the church. Um, is to call people to a highly communal mm. group and a willingness to sacrifice for the community mm-hmm. um, because of that greater good. And that and that's that dying to yourself and living it out. And that changes then. Um, I Sometimes a highly communal um, society, then it has its own issues. And so you, you wouldn't call it all the way back to an individualization, but a desire to see the dignity in people. Mm -hmm. And so now, like, I think that's the beauty kind of the Holy District is being as connected to the community as um, we want to be. Mm -hmm. It's reminding people that um, your flourishing um, is actually me flourishing. Mm -hmm. And human flourishing depends on one another, and we're very interconnected with each other. I love that phrase, interconnected. Yeah. Um, So that's just kind of... Uh, something that I've been watching uh, develop. And so I want to ask, like, um, 
what are some of the trends that you're noticing around, uh, like roll the future church forward? Um, and like, what are some of the practices that you think are going to define us going forward? Mm. So a couple practices or ways of thinking about practice in the church. I think I've heard people are yearning for, I think, uh, moving forward is higher church, meaning like a more liturgical church Mm. there where there are, um, there's opportunities to participate. You think about, we grew up in a lower context church where you, you know, there may be some singing and some different things like that, but there wasn't call and response. There weren't communal prayers. For me, I grew up in a place that was more like spontaneous prayer and, and yep. some, and the only opportunity you had to engage was maybe if you were like singing a special or they were doing <laughs> an altar call and you yeah. wanted to come forward and like rededicate your life to Christ or yep. receive Christ for the first time or whatever. I think people are yearning for, how can I, can I participate um, there are some people who really want to disconnect and disengage, but the people who are hungering for a, a Jesus-centered spirituality that I'm talking to are saying, I want to show up and I actually want to, to be involved. And I want to, is there something we can do uh, together that's going to model our faith? Yep. So I think that's why we've talked a lot about communion. And that's a highly participatory aspect that I think is going to become more centered scripture reading yep. um, t- together. You know, we're thinking about how can we be intergenerational so that it's not just uh, adults that are leading the way in a certain age of adults, but that um, everyone from kids to young adults to uh, grandmas and grandpas and and great-grandmas and grandpas are contributing something and learning from one another. So I think that's going to be important. I I could keep talking. I think about this stuff all the time. So I'm going to stop because, Brooke, I'm I'm guessing you might have some things to chime in. Yeah, I think that, um, like, I think we're looking for ways to actually plug in into the community and serve locally. Um, I think that something that uh, the nonprofit world gets really right is that they're already in the community Mm. and they're already serving and actively Sometimes they're, like, actively being the hands of Jesus more than those of us that just, like, sit and chill all the time and talk about things, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that the practice of the future of the church really needs to have a focus on serving and partnering with the community. Um, And that looks like all kinds of different ways. I mean, I would just encourage those of you who are listening, like, to get plugged into a local nonprofit and just be like, how can I partner with you? Um, that is a way of doing church. That's an act of, act of worship. And I yeah. think from the Holy District model perspective, one thing that felt important to me as I was praying through this and trying to like discern what God was showing me and our, our community was if church, if the process of making church happen, like for if you're thinking about a weekend, is so involved and cumbersome and uh, the programs of the church require so much support and volunteers Mm -hmm. that once people become a part of the church, all of their time then has to go to keeping the church running. How will, how will the church actually like demonstrate the kingdom of God in the neighborhood? Right. And so already simple church has been like a, an idea for a long time that people have been meditating on and trying to find ways to simplify the church experience. 
And that certainly, I think, is going to be important going forward. How do we encourage yes. the sim- like a simple life as a value mm-hmm. so that the church doesn't become so all-encompassing and that it becomes inward-focused and so insular? Because yep. that can you know very easily happen. Yep. Definitely. I think, so you were talking about a like high church liturgical experience. Um, Brooke, the other day you were sharing with me um, about your growing up and mm-hmm. how you kind of had... Um, some of that high church experience because you would have um, experience with um, like prayer and call and response and stuff. Um, can you share, you know, some about that um, for with me um, in your childhood growing up and the sweetness that you experienced in your church? Yeah, I mean, and not everyone's church experience, you know, I just want to recognize, like, not everyone's church experience is, like, awesome, but mine was really beautiful, and I think the expression of just the um, the community-centered uh, focus on, on just the way I grew up, and I, I alluded to this, like, last week in the, in the podcast about, like, um, you know, being a part of, like, a community of people that were my age, like, being in, like, the youth group, um, but, you know, for, for us, like, we spent time, like, in church talking about um, very specific things, and we did, like, call and response prayers, and we did, like, you know, I mean, many of you might have had these experiences, like the Lord's Prayer and, and that kind of stuff, and I think liturgy can be a very beautiful part or a beautiful expression of the local church, Um if you're not just saying it just to say it, right? And I think for me, I said it and I took that to heart and it was an expression of my faith. So why do you think like that liturgy, I mean, you kind of just said this, but can you elaborate more on why um, liturgy connects with people um, in their faith and spirituality so much? Yeah, I mean, if you're anything like me, um, words can be very difficult, right? Like words are hard to communicate And um, sometimes even like in prayer, like it's hard to communicate what your needs are or what you want or what you want God to do for your life or for the world. And I think, you know, liturgy and meditations are an expression of that already that maybe you just don't have words for, but you connect really deeply with. And so I think that's why for me and probably people like me, that expression is really beautiful. Absolutely. No, that's really good. Thank you for sharing that. I also just wanted to add, like, you know, some of these, uh, after reflecting on last week's, you know, podcast a little bit, I think it's important to remember that, you know, we're not here to dog on any form of or expression um, of the local church. And I think it's easy to get caught up in the negatives of that. And, um, you know, when we're talking about the future church, we're we're really wanting to forecast, like, the beautiful vision of what the church could actually practically look like um and so yeah i'm i'm really excited to to keep talking and having these conversations yeah we have a i mean i would say all of us we have a deep love for the church and that's why we um care so much about it and want to try new things because we just want to see it be better and reflect um jesus a little bit more um into the world like it was called to so um You know, I want, as we begin to wrap this up, uh, I want to revisit our last three weeks and kind of like highlight a few things because in this, we've been talking about gatherings, place, practice, um, and so like what are the gatherings centered around? And so the first week we talked about the gatherings were centered around a meal, around communion, and they were happening in um, homes. And the second week it was centered around a building, 
um, and then around communion still, and then transitioned into a message or a sermon. Uh, the third week, the gathering was primarily centered around um, the the sermon and the message, and in a building that, um, you know, Erica had said, like, uh, was ut- utilitarian, Erica? Yeah, utilitarian. U- utilitarian, um, that it was built just to be utilized and be efficient, and so um, at least that's how she described it to me. Uh, and so, uh, that, that's that. So in the future church, what is the gathering centered around? We've kind of established it's going to be in the community, in spaces, wherever it is already, um, where people naturally are gathering. Those are the places, but what is it going to be like when you come together? Um, what are the people centering their gathering around? If that makes sense. Anybody? Oh, I mean, I think right off the get go, we need to say, Jesus, (laughs) Jesus, <laughs> you know, like sure. uh, getting, um, not saying that the church hasn't gathered around Jesus, but like I would say even more specifically, like coming back to his teachings, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, Beatitudes, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I am a huge fan. Like I absolutely love the Eucharist. I love the table. So I think that's something that I think we started to see even in like some more uh, evangelical, charismatic stuff. I, I'm aware of some gatherings that have started to happen, and even though they still have those roots, like they have still started to continue. They started to come more around the table a little bit. So, I think that's some practices. Brooke, what do you think the gatherings are going to be centered around in the future church with um, people? He said Jesus and communion. Yeah. Um, but what's like the purpose of gathering? Well, definitely to develop relationships, you know, with people who are around us or, or who might not be like us, right? We're not interested in forming these cool, like, clubs. <laughs> like, that's not what we're set out to do. But to, in, you know, include those who um, don't act like us or talk like us or look like us. And so, um, I mean, this I'm just kind of, you know, hitting this over and over again. But it, it is an expression of relationships, uh, first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I would riff off that a little bit. Like, I think... There's room for a lot of different kinds of gathering. And I think what I hope that we can do is if we have been trained to understand church as something that does happen in a building and that there are special people who hear from God that that have to teach in order for people to understand, it's going uh, and there are, you know, it's good to have teachers and leaders and things like that. We've talked about that in past episodes But if we're going to emerge into this beautiful future where we really do embrace the biblical teaching of the royal priesthood of of all believers, then I think there's going to, we're going to need some time. We're going to need some gatherings that help um, people who don't see themselves as super spiritual to participate. And then I also think we're going to need gatherings that help us as if we've been conditioned to see church as what happens inside a building to break that down and say what would it look like to have gatherings that don't look like church at all um but are really um brave spaces for people that are in all different kinds of places where they can come and just be known and they can belong and they can be accepted as they are because we may not know how to do that like It's the ideal would be we would just go out into our everyday lives as individuals and we would um, have conversations and engage our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends in such a way that we would be proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom of God. But we all we don't know how to do that. We uh, a lot of us have not been discipled yeah. into that. We've been discipled to invite people to church. Yep. 
And so I think, you know, what we're trying to do with the Holy District is create ways to have gatherings that would just be like fun and meaningful and brave places where people can show up as their true selves, even if they're not Christians, even if they if they're marginalized in some way or not or wherever, that they can be there and we can actually build relationships with one with one another so that if, if they could maybe even become curious. Yeah, what Alexi said. Yes. Curious <laughs> yeah. about Jesus. And and as we learn to do that as a community, maybe those gatherings will be less necessary. But I do think that's something in, in the Holy District that is important. Like, how can we have more dialogue? Yes. How can we assume that everyone has something to contribute? Yes. And how can we move forward in that way? Hi, sweetie. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And I think, like, that's kind of the thing, too, you'll notice in the Holy District as of right now, um, we're not planning on having any message or sermon like be happening in our gathering. Like that's happening through our podcast because as we were talking earlier, the pandemic showed us it can happen online. Yeah. And so, um, like, then it becomes the about the communion. It becomes about everyone having a space and um, being welcomed at the table. It becomes about relationship. And I think that's what we're seeing, at, you know, as you're all talking, is that common thread is connection and um, participation in it. And so uh, I appreciate that about our vision and about... Um, our belief in the kingdom of God entering into the community, that everyone is there, everyone has something to offer and is a part of it, and the kingdom is wherever uh, the the people of the kingdom go. Yeah, and one thing I'm really excited about, the potential of, like, a podcast is a way that teaching happens, is that it turns the pulpit from, like, a zero-sum resource where only there's only one pulpit and there's only, you know, one opportunity for someone to teach, um we can actually say, oh, no, teaching can happen from a variety of people. Yep. And like we talked about, the the revivals and the Great Awakenings, those become liberating and more inclusive movements. It's like there's there's so, mu- so much room for different voices to, to bring their gifts if they're gifted to teach through the Holy District podcast. And then we can listen whenever and however we want. Yep. And I think that's something that I'm really excited about, that we can use technology to, to make things... Um, to, yeah, to aid in the liberation of our our experience of spirituality rather than to make it, you know, small. And I, I'm really excited about that as a woman in ministry that's passionate about people who have kind of been pushed to the, to the outskirts. Yeah, no, th- absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, Erica. Um, and so part of the thing, you know, this is our last week in this future church series. Who knows? I mean, this isn't the end of this conversation. We'll be introducing you to many, many people on this podcast as here's how church is being done. And here's what we're learning together, um, through other series and other episodes and opportunities. So, um, thank you everybody. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of this future church series as we go forward. Um, we do pray for you, we think of you, and hope that you you begin to see um, what is sacred in the everyday space you're in. Well, we hope that you have enjoyed your time with us learning about the early church and the medieval church and Um, the modern church, and now today talking about the future church, where we kind of placed our stake in the ground, you know, here's where we think it's going, and uh, that we think it's going to be more community focused, 
um, that it's going to be more um, focused on heaven being brought to earth and created in the space that we're in. And so as we seek to follow the Spirit and ask what wants to happen next, um, we invite you in on that with us. Uh, ask the Spirit as you pray, what, what, what are you already working on that you want to have happen? Um, and he's already at work in your community. And so there's things that you'll see and uh, we invite you to share them with us. If there's thoughts that you had as you listen to this, that and you're like, hey, I think uh, I think about that different, message us on Instagram or Facebook. We want to hear from you. We want to learn. And, you know, we don't know everything. We've been doing a lot of this from our memory of our Bible college days and growing and uh, share with us um, those things. If you benefited from any of these episodes at all, um, share that with someone that you think would also benefit as we're growing our community and inviting more people to uh, partner with us with it. So um, if you have a space that you could offer up for us to meet in and share, if you have a prayer that you want to support us with or um, finances, uh, we invite you to visit our website, reach out, connect um, with us. Uh, if you want spiritual direction, you can schedule a time to meet with Erica, Blake, myself, Dan, or Brooke. And you can do that online at holydistrict.org. The Holy District is a growing network of people in Pennsylvania and Arizona seeking to rediscover sacred in everyday places. 